Hello, you're a child. Yes, I am. Is this podcast suitable for other children? No. Why? Because it contains bad language. I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton, I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this, that's the plan. Hey, how are you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here, as you well know. Thank you so much for joining me for podcast number 32. I'll tell you about my guest for this week's podcast in just a moment. But for the time being, allow me to paint an amazing word picture for you. We're on the outskirts of Norwich here in the countryside in East Anglia, UK. I'm walking my dog and it's the evening of the day. The sun is going down over there on the western Hoseidon and lighting up what looks to me like someone's unrolled a load of, you know, you can get cotton wool in sheets. So they've unrolled some of the cotton wool and then tugged at the edges of it so that it's uh, gone into little clumps. It's another classic from my nature description box. You're more than welcome. But look, my guest this week is Tash Dimitriou. She is a comedian and I met her when I was doing a show at the Invisible Dot in King's Cross, a comedy venue. Um, There was always lot of good folks hanging around there including a group of comedians who made a pilot for BBC Three in 2015 called People Time and that featured Tash and her sometime comedy partner Ellie White and Tash's brother Jamie Dimitriou and Darren Johnson, Alistair Roberts and Liam Williams of the comedy team Sheeps and Claudia O'Doherty. So, I mean, they're all brilliant, those people, in uh, people time. And that show turned into a monthly web series called 2016 Friends. And I'll put an episode of that on my blog. I've actually written the blog post so it'll be ready for you as you download this podcast, which is pretty together, unusually for me. Back to Tash, though. Over the summer this year, 2016 if you're listening in the future. Tash could be seen in ITV2's current affairs-focused show, Eleven-ish. I didn't see Eleven-ish, but I did hear it was good. And on the weekend, just last weekend, I was watching Harry Hill's new TV show, Tea Time, which was making me laugh, and Tash popped up there as a kind of weird Greek archbishop with a big beard. Tash and I recorded our conversation in late June of this year. In fact... I think I'm right in saying it was the same day that I recorded a podcast with the writer, Sally Wainwright. And that was a fairly um, sober, relatively serious conversation that I had with Sally. And this one I had with Tash couldn't really have been more different. <laughs> and was quite a welcome uh, antidote to the, to the post-Brexit gloom that uh, I was certainly feeling. We started off by talking about online shopping... And then things just degenerated from there. Bums, toilets, midnight wee-wee lakes, smells of all kinds, picking up dog turds, 
And there was also some slightly more grown-up chat about the fraught business of appearing on TV panel shows, comedy shows, before we returned towards the end of the conversation to smells, albeit nice smells, perfume, etc., which Tash turns out to be sort of obsessed by. Anyway, I hope you feel you've been given a sufficient heads up about the puerility levels in this podcast. Um, If that's uh, a deal breaker, then cheerio, see you another time. But if not, here we go. had a very smug day. Smug day? Um, yeah, incredibly smug. Woke up, did some very important um, online shopping admin. Yeah. Um, what kind of thing? Well, I bought a dress four years ago that I still haven't worn, so I sent it back the other day, and surprisingly, I've not received a refund. <laughs> so I called them up to chase that up, and absolutely, absolutely fantastic customer service... And they're, they're looking into it for me, and I can look forward to getting that £55 back. The world of online refunding is more efficient than one might imagine. Mm. I don't know if we're part of a, a privileged elite for whom refunds arrive more easily than they would No, for... it's a loophole. Yeah. It's a toilet pole. It is genuinely... I've <laughs> sent stuff back. You know, that's like I've worn it, for sure, and I've got the money back. Sweat <laughs> Three stains. years later, I've got the money back. Yeah. And I don't know if we should be talking about it because I feel like I have this, like, circle. It's like the circle of clothes and money that I have, like, a pocket of about £150 that's constantly... (laughs) Just going round and round. Being refunded and then invested in something else that you then return. Yeah, I mean, it is is like that. And um, so I look forward to getting that back up to £150 when I get the £55 back for the uh, sailor dress that I never wore. The sailor dress. It was... It's a style I cover, but, you know, in reality, you put it on and you're just like, I look like I'm in cosplay. Yeah, that's right. And I'm not small enough of the body or dainty enough of the face. Well, I disagree with both of those things. But (laughs) do you wear a little pink backpack, a fluffy backpack? Mm. And do you kick out one leg? My bum is like a little pink fluffy backpack. (laughs) And do like a low backpack. (laughs) It's a low backpack and it's very pink and fluffy (laughs) and red. <laughs> Do you have to shave it? So there's nothing. There's nothing. You can't discuss bums because it is just the hole, isn't it? That's that's the thing that's doing all the work. It's the star of the bum show, isn't it? <laughs> it's the. It's the f- it is, I mean, the rest of it is just <laughs> embarrassing. Nothing. Just mounds of nothing, and there is one tiny little star that's got the X Factor right in the middle. Yeah. And it's doing everything. There's two big morons standing either side of the little genius in the middle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the angrily puckering genius. Yeah. And me and my flatmate today, actually, I thought of something really disgusting. Imagine someone who had a tiny bum hole on their neck. 
I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, really. Yeah, but... I mean, it runs my life. It controls sure. everything. <laughs> it completely why dictates do you ha- Why are you thinking of um, bum holes on people's necks? What's the... Just because it's a horrible thing. I live with a, a someone who does <laughs> comedy as well, right. and he was um, pretending to be a man. I was pretending to be his PA... And he, this, there's nothing sexual about this. I just, we woke up and the improvisation started and we went with it. He was said to be a, an artist who was doing a piece where he lies in bed all day and farts and no one was coming to see it and I was being his PA. And then it, it sort of escalated from there and then it turned out that he had a bum hole on his neck and it was just sh- shooting out little tiny farts out his neck. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a Bruce Robinson idea. Have you ever seen How to Get Ahead in Advertising? That really rings a bell, but no, I haven't seen it. But I have read my Facebook a lot (laughs) and I have googled myself a lot yeah who do you live with then um Tom Sturton yeah is that Edward Sturton's yes it is oh no Edward Sturton's son Ivo Sturton's brother is oh is it genuinely Edward Sturton's son yeah I think so the newsreader yeah 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 that's his son yeah and um he lives in the room next to me I was just being glib uh, I want to return, though, briefly to... Oh, first of all, I want to deal with the fact that you're doing comedy improv <laughs> in the morning with your flatmate. We'd had a coffee, we'd had some sweet... We'd had a cup of hot roasted energy, and uh, that's what happened. Do you just start talking and suddenly you realise you're doing comedy improv? Or, is, <laughs> or does one of you say, you know what I'd really like? Is to do some comedy improv. Yeah, up at seven... Beautiful cup of Java. Then it's just you know a good solid hour of just theatre sports improv. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I don't think there's a better way of starting your day. I mean, there's no way of it sounding like I'm not. We're not the worst people in the world, but it's too late for that. It's yeah, yep, yeah, it is. No, Tom just lies in his bed, and I, I my room is an is a hell hole because I moved in and I am um, a disgusting materialistic witch and I've n- still not managed to unpack since I moved in we moved in like six weeks ago so I just go and annoy him and piss around his room and if I'm in there long enough he will start to pretend to be like an old posh man in his bed and I'll be his a lot of it is me sort of being like subservient <laughs> and I mean I don't know if that's anything to do with him being sort of upper middle class and me being a working class hero. You wish you're working class. I am working class. No, you're not. Come on. I mean, I'm so chuffed that I give up now. I'm a dirty little see, uh, scrubber. Yeah. So am I. I worked in a mine. I think you're lying. No, I didn't work. In a mine. <laughs> but I, I mean, I've done worse. I've done way worse jobs. You did look so like, wow. It was just, yeah, I mean, my jobs, my life. <laughs> Do my you think job. there have been any. Middle class people who were so committed to living the dream of the working class hero that they've actually gone and got a job in a mine. Gone down in a mine. Yeah. And they're just like (laughs) next to all the mining men, just saying, yeah, I just thought I'd come down, show a bit of solidarity. You know, what you guys do is bloody amazing. And, you know, really appreciate it. It's such bloody hard work and (laughs) no one realises. I like to think that has happened. I mean, I've done it. I've done... What what jobs have I done? I was a cleaner for my friend's parents' houses, Tita Tash. Um, I... Is that, was that really your the name you traded under? Mm-hmm. Tita Tash. Tita Tash. Um, I'll clean... How old were you then? Oh, 14. How old are you now? 
That's not polite to ask a lady that, is it? Or anyone. People can just find out, can't they? Yeah, but maybe... Yeah, no, they can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they definitely can. So, Tital Tash, Mm. how long did that last for? That was a good um, couple of years doing... It was hall stairs and landing, hoovering, and then both bathrooms. And it was my best friend's house, who I spent a lot of my teenage years at, and then... I remember one time it was really, really depressing because we'd all run in. It had been raining and we'd come back from school and I'd run into the downstairs toilet and I was so desperate for for a wee and just sat on the toilet and then didn't realise that the lid was down. Oh, it's happened to all of us. <laughs> and then, like, I was too embarrassed to tell them. So I sort of did the best I could and and it was just in my head. I was like, well, I'll be cleaning this tomorrow, being paid for it. So just wait till then to do a proper job. <laughs> didn't you clean it up at the, at the well, time? Well, I did, but I was like, tomorrow I'll give it a good <laughs> I'm going to be disinfecting this tomorrow, so leave it, won't I? Leave it till tomorrow when I'm getting um, oh, £3 an hour. Pound. I tell you one thing, now this might be too much. One thing that I don't suppose happens to women mm. is when you get up in the middle of the night and you're half asleep and you need to go to the lab. Oh, for sure. You sit down and for a gentleman or for any person that has a working wanger, yeah, really? a warm little sweet one. Yeah, <laughs> for anyone <laughs> with one of those, however they identify, who goes to the lavatory in the middle of the night. Yeah. My technique is to sit down, right, because A, you're tired, and B, you can't be bothered to aim. So you sit down, mm. you start to relax all the appropriate muscles. <laughs> but then, too late, you realise that more or less everything has gone outside the actual lavatory bowl. And there is a pool of wee-wee. Wee-wee. What, in front of your feet? Yeah, like pooling at the base of the toilet. Because rather than weeing into the lavatory bowl, yeah. it's just sort of gone over the side of the top. Oh, lovely. And it's just sort of trickled down the thing and you've got to deal with a wee-wee lake. <laughs> In the middle of the night when you're yeah. half asleep. Maybe that's why my old flat, like, I was always like, why does the front bottom, whenever I'd clean the flat, I'd be like, the front bottom of this toilet stinks of piss, and I don't know why. It's it, that, isn't it? It's, a, it's the wee river. It's got to be partly that, or it's a plumbing issue. It's not properly... Yeah. I mean, the other thing is, of course, you have a brother, right? Oh, God, yeah. Jamie. Oh, for goodness and sake. And so, were you ever aware that the toilet... Jamie used when you were growing up was absolutely stinky because of his poor aiming skills. I would say... Um, and that's not to impugn... That Jamie's a dirty dirty. That's old. not to impugn Jamie, like, while he's, especially while he's not here. I don't want to talk... Uh, but I was about to say absolutely not. Absolutely, I'd say the reason why I would never be able to tell what Jamie was doing is because we lived with my dad, who is 50% the strongest urine... And 50% a big poo. <laughs> like, he is a man of scent. He is a smell. <laughs> he, is, he is a smell on legs. He's like, there is... When we were growing up, it was like a small war in our upstairs bit. In the morning, the farts my dad would do that would seep out of his bedroom. I'm not exaggerating when I say there were sometimes I'd crawl out of my bedroom and downstairs because if I stood up, my nose and my mouth would just... <laughs> <laughs> Pick it up. I mean, my dad is a... Like you're trying to exit a burning house. Yeah, like a... it was like... Do you ever put a wet face cloth? 
yeah, I remember crawling downstairs because it was like to be hit with that density of smell like a wall at that time in the morning. And you're a teenager, so it's like getting up early is hell on earth. Yeah. Is he still with us, your dad? Oh, yes. Yes, he is. Still there. <laughs> what will he be doing now? Let's have a think. He will be probably walking the dogs in the pissing rain and picking up their... I mean, this has been such a poo-heavy conversation, but oh well. Picking up their poo without a bag, which I've seen him do so many times, and squeezing it in his hand. Shut up. Oh, honestly, Adam. Is that true? That is 100% true. Oh, my goodness. It's nothing. It's a lovely bit grass and bloody nothing. It's lovely. (laughs) It's absolutely nothing. It's lovely. (laughs) I mean, the first time I saw it. I mean, yeah. (laughs) He's a filth stick. (laughs) So that is why I truly... I mean, he's the dirtiest person. And he's a chef. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not. He spent his life. He's retired, but he spent yeah, I'm his glad. life. He spent his life cooking food for people, and he was amazing. <laughs> um, you don't watch Billions, do you? The TV no. show? No. What is that? I wish I did. It's quite good. It's got Paul Giamatti in it and um, Damien Lewis. Yeah, I love him. And Homeland. it's uh, from Homeland, right? Mm. And it's about a, uh, a billionaire businessman who is involved with insider trading and a, oh my God, um, I'm watch it. a government official who is trying to bring him down, oh, for played, by Paul, played by Paul Giamatti. I've been trying to do a, trying to do a Paul Giamatti impression, <laughs> which basically involves sounding like you're right on the verge of losing your fucking shit. But I can't, I can't quite do you, it. You looked really good doing that for all the people who are listening. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I bring it up is because there's a scene in that to illustrate the manic level of Paul Giamatti's character's kind of legal self-righteousness and his quest for everything to be just so in the world. Mm. He passes a guy walking his dog and he sees the guy's dog doing a shit. Mm. And he says... Um, Excuse me, Sarah, are you gonna are you just gonna leave that there? <laughs> and the guy goes, Yeah, well I forgot my bags. He's like, No, 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 no. No, no, no. You have to pick it up. If you don't have bags, then pick it up with your hands. I'm not doing a good Paul Giamatti impression <laughs> now. It's turning into uh, Jim Carrey. And so there's this whole scene, which I said at the time when I was watching it with my wife, my wife, and I said to my wife, that's a stupid scene. Because no. A, there's no way that anyone would have that confrontation and force someone else to pick up the dog. Have you plots. got a dog? I do, yeah. But we're never in the city with it. Oh, see, yeah, no, I, I mean, people have threatened to run me over because, like, I have had such confrontations about. Because if you do generally forget the bag, and sometimes at sort of seven o'clock in the morning, whatever, and the dog's like, gonna drop a hot cake hot toddy toddy, a hot (laughs) little shot of um, brown wine in your room (laughs) in your front room and you're like right I've got to run down you're like oh for goodness sake I've forgotten the bags sometimes you I mean it's terrible and I know it's disgusting but sometimes it is like I just just walk the other way and just pretend because it's like what else are you gonna do I'm not gonna pick up with my hands I'm you know I'm my father's daughter but to a certain extent but um there was one guy who was like coming out of the road and beeped me so hard and was mm. like, pick it up. So I ended up like walking so far out of my way to try and find some leaves because I live I live on like 
a sort of main main road where there are where nature is, has left us. Do you get told off for things in the street on a regular basis? Do people shake their heads at you? I'm quite clumsy. I have dyspraxia. Um, is that a real thing that you suffer from? It is a real thing I suffer from, but I do sometimes wonder, is it just a lovely, as a kind doctor has made up a name for being a massive moose? <laughs> what is the definition of dyspraxia? It's basically like dyslexia, but physical dyslexia. I, I That's how I feel. Like, it's like... And I think there's two different types. You can be dyspraxic with big things. So, like, you can't catch a ball, you can't tell your left and your right, you can't, like, run without smacking into things, kicking people by accident. And then, or you'll find it very hard to do things like sewing and small things. And I'm very good at small little bits and pieces with my hands. I can sew you up a sock. I can draw you a little picture. Mm -hmm. But I will not catch a ball. And so I it's... will walk into you until you're into the road and I won't realise I'm doing it. Really? Mm. It's all, so it's almost like a kind of physical short-sightedness. Yes. Big old moose, big old clumsy moose. Yeah. I'm sort of obsessed with people shaking their head at me in the street. I think it's because... They don't like your podcast. So no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They just think there's that prick with the terrible podcast. Plus, I saw him on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown the <laughs> other day and he was fucking shit. No, you weren't. Oh. I saw that dance. So, uh, actually, that's a brilliant segue, isn't it? Yeah. Into um, 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown, which we were both on the other day, mm -hmm. although not in the same episode. No, two they, records, one day. Yeah, exactly. Over in uh, Media City in Salford, Manchester. How many of those panel shows have you done? I've only done, officially, legally, done um, one other one, which was Sweat the Small Stuff, God Rest It Soul. Is that not on anymore? No, it's not, because BBC Three and all that stuff. Oh, I it was a know. BBC Three one? Yeah. Who hosted that? Nick Grimshaw, and he's obviously... Grimmy. He's yeah, Grim is like a tooth. He's an angel now, isn't he? Oh, I remember that show, yeah. right? And and it was Marvin and Rochelle were the team captains, yeah, yeah, yeah. and my teammate was Professor Green. Oh, Pro the Green. doctor. Yeah, yeah. And then who were we opposite? Talisha from X Factor. Yeah. And um, who else was it? Oh, Sean Walsh. Walshy. Walshy. And did you just do that the one time? Just the one time. What did you have to do on that show? Play arbitrary games and just try and be funny, and it's. It was too all hard. about minutia, though, wasn't it? Oh yeah, there was a point to it. Sweat the small stuff. Yeah, what stuff have you been sweating? I mean, it was such a blur. I literally was just a plank of jelly. Like I was, just, I just. It's so hard with those shows. I feel like it's such an unnatural skill that you have to acquire to be able to like be good at them and I think there are obviously people that have done it I mean just being very funny and quick is a good thing but just to have that inbuilt on you just being like everything I'm going to say is going to be great so I'm just going to say it and I'm going to have the confidence to do that and it's going to be great and my voice is very 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 important 
You're absolutely right. And I agree 100% with everything you just said. I was brought up a polite boy. And one of the things I was taught was that you shouldn't interrupt people. Yeah. And you should wait till the other person has finished speaking before mm. you start speaking. And I mean, now I've abandoned a lot of that because yeah, of, of my overweening arrogance and self-regard. Mm. But, yeah, the first few times that I went on, on those kinds of shows, I mean, I went on Nevermind the Buzzcocks years ago when Mark Lamar used to host it. Oh. I think that was the first panel show that I went on. And it was traumatic. Yeah. I mean, for that show, and I think, Still, for a lot of shows, they have writers. And you sit in the writer's room mm. in the afternoon before the taping with, never mind the Buzzcocks that time, it was me and Midjur, and we were on <laughs> Phil's team. Yeah. Me and, and Phil, uh, Jupiter's and Midjur sat in this room with these two writers and they played all the clips that were going to be in the rounds and the two writers just sort of riffed mm. as if they were contestants on the game um, and they more or less just ignored us not in a rude way but they yeah. just were carrying on doing their being funny thing yeah and we had notebooks and we were supposed to write down funny things they said oh my and god and then every now and again phil because he was used to to it and he wasn't embarrassed or awkward about the whole procedure he would just sort of say oh i'll take that one you know and that's what we were supposed yeah. to we were welcome if we wanted to to say Oh, that's mine, or I'll say that. Oh I think my I, god! I think I could do that line very funnily. <gasps> oh my, that's hell! And eventually, and, and me and Midge were like schoolboys trying to cheat. You know, we were looking at each other like, "I'm gonna have that line." Oh my god! That he said, "I'm gonna have that line," <laughs> and we were scribbling them down. It was torture. And then you actually get into the studio, and of course, the reason they do that is because of what we've just been talking about. Mm. Because most normal people don't naturally want to volunteer shit that comes into their head, especially if they're in a TV studio. Yeah. And it's going to be recorded. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're fed these lines a lot of the time. And I realised the value of it as soon as they started taping because my head just emptied immediately. Yeah, of course. But yeah, I thought, well, I can't think of a single funny thing to say. Yeah. Uh, and anything I am thinking right now, I'm not going to say out loud. So... I'll say one of these lines that I wrote down. I just thought, this is so lame. I can't <gasps> believe I'm going to just say this line that this other guy said and I wrote it down. I was like, well, this is how the show works. Okay. So I said one of these lines at the appropriate point. Yeah. And it got a laugh. <gasps> Not a big one at all. No, Because yeah. I didn't deliver it very yeah. well. But it got a laugh and it, was, it didn't get a groan, you know? What yeah, I mean? I yeah, like, yeah. Oh, God, this is weird. This is how it works. Yeah, I mean... I think the thing about Eight of Ten Cats does countdown. It was really that's not how that show works. No, by the it's way. not at no. all. No, like, but I kind of think when I was doing it, as petrified as I was, and I was on the record that we did. It John Kearns was in Dictionary Corner, and he um, it was his first time, and we were just looking at each other because we didn't speak for the first like forty five minutes. Mm. We were just like, ah. the amount of times I went was that. Because I would have wanted no. Um, but I think it's good that you get to actually play Countdown. And I think that's kind of boring for the like team captains because they've just done it so many times and they're obviously absolute wizards. But it actually does give you just something to focus on, just like, well, yeah. let's try and spell some letters. And John Kearns, I mean, he, does a, he was in character when he did it, right? Oh, my God, yeah. And that's um, a kind of an extreme character that he does anyway. I wasn't there. How did that one go down? I think he did so well. Mm. I was so impressed. So for people who don't know John Kearns... Um, He is just a very, very naturally funny man and he's found a way of 
putting that across to an audience by wearing like a sort of monk's wig and some teeth and he's got glasses. Irish Perry, I'm going to be so offensive to his character. I don't know, what do you say about That's the sort of, he's very say Jimmy, I don't know, Jimmy. Sort of that thing. But I think they liked it because he's like a plonker character and it's a bit cockney and it's a bit like stupid and thick and I think people like that, don't they? It's almost like, um, tell me if I'm getting this wrong, mm. but it's almost like a guy, a sort of loserish guy trying to be funny. Yeah. And missing. And it's like a bit weird. I don't know. It's absolutely. That's the character. I'm not saying that's what John is. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, no, it's abs- It's fucking brilliant. And he's so lovely and great. And but just genuinely like a very naturally funny person. Yeah. So. so. So I was on the show afterwards and I was in Dictionary Corner. And I often have videos that I play in, you know. Mm. They're bits and pieces that I've kind of retired from my live shows and they don't have anywhere else to live. So I <laughs> offer them up to. Um, <laughs> Eight out of ten cats. The entertainment guys over at C4. The problem, of course, is always what's my preamble going to be to get into them, you Mm. know. So I always write some tortured little bit to get me in there. And that's the most painful part because I I think I just come across, maybe I actually just am, a sort of unctuous little prick. (laughs) And the audience... Well, that's what I've always said about you, Adam. Yeah. (laughs) No. But the audience often doesn't like me, you know what I mean? Like, people who come and see my live shows, they know what they're in for, and I hope they understand where I'm coming Mm. from, and so we're all friends. But a lot of the time, if an audience has never seen me before, I think they think I'm sort of just quite a snooty, silly dick. No, but, I mean, I don't know if this will be in the episode, because obviously you record for about four hours, but when I was watching you backstage on the screen... Um, and uh, you were doing a dance where you were patting your willy, mm-hmm. and it was making me cry with laughter, and there's nothing prickish about that. That's just a, <laughs> a very silly yeah. boy well, that was, running around. That was me dancing to Let's Dance, but uh, and, yes, tapping my... There's nothing arrogant or prickish. Yeah, no, well, that was good because I wasn't speaking, but every time I speak... It all goes a little bit wrong. And I get very rattled. And every now and again, Jimmy Carr, who's very nice to me, he would sort of look across and he would fire some random comment at me. And I would have nothing. Literally nothing to (laughs) come back with. I can completely... And at one point, I think I even... He sort of said, what do you think about that, Adam? And I was like, why are you even asking me? I've got nothing. And the (laughs) And you might think that the audience might chuckle at that, but no, it was just pure awkwardness. The guys who make that show are very supportive, very lovely, but they kind of gave me a heads up and they were just like, just FYI, the audiences can be a little bit hostile if they don't know who you are and what you've done. So you kind of have to do a job of like being, try and be funny, but also try and be like, this is who I am, this is my thing. And the audiences are perfectly nice. They're they're not um, mean or anything, but I think they're just... Yeah, it's a, it's a very broad cross section of people, isn't yeah. it? And if you're at all niche, yeah, or your what you do isn't immediately accessible, they can be quite suspicious.
I did a day of a little tiny little stupid thing um, on Harry Hill's new show that's coming out, which is a piss take of um, Sunday Brunch, but not... It's not a piss take, but it's, like, taking that sort of show and, like, making it Harry Hill-ish. Uh-huh. And... Um, I met Stavros Flatley on it and turns out we're sort of distantly related. No way. <laughs> oh, for sure. Is that true? Yeah, well, basically, we're both called... I saw on the call sheet that we're both Dimitriou and um, it was an absolute highlight of my life to meet Stavros Flatley and Laggy, the son, he's 20 now. And it, I'll tell you, this is a bit of advice he gave me. If you respect Simon Cow, who's going to respect you back? <laughs> if you show him respect... I'll respect you back. So that's just a bit of advice from Laggy to me to all of you. Wow. And for those of you who are listening outside the United Kingdom and don't know about Stavros Flatley. Oh, right, yeah. Who is he? Stavros Flatley is a father and son, Greek father and son. They, um, I think the dad owned a restaurant in Oakwood in North London, a Greek restaurant, and he used to do like a cabaret night. And this is what they, they told me. It started out with him doing a sort of fake like taking the mickey out of uh, Michael Flatley, Lord of the Dance, that mm. sort of Irish dance. And he used to do it with a big fake penis that would pop out of his <laughs> trousers. And then I think somehow from there, something happened and someone said, you should go on Britain's Got Talent. And yeah, and they went on it and they, they basically just, they're like two Greek men. One of them's got Cy- the ma- a map of Cyprus tattooed in his belly, the dad. And they wear blonde wigs and they come out and sort of do... A mixture of Irish dancing and Greek dancing. But they do it topless as well, Topless, don't they? yeah. So you see their tattoos. And the son has a similar physique, quite barrel-chested. Yeah, barrel-chested, beautiful Greek men. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> they come out and do a little dance. And it's just very high energy and it just captured the imaginations of the British public. And they, yeah. were, they were the Cypriot Susan Boyle. And they have been working, from what Laggy, the son, was telling me, they haven't stopped working for five years doing that doing that shtick, corporate events. He was on his way to Oxford to get paid 250 quid to just wave in a club. Good one. And um, he's, bought his, he's bought himself a flat in Enfield. Unfortunately for him, he said it's a fucking shithole. <laughs> um, <laughs> he hates it. He didn't think to buy a nice one. No, oh, I honestly, it's disgusting. He is an absolute shithole. He's bought his sister a car to shut her up. That's what he told me. Um, but they were he was so lovely. And I was dressed as a Greek archbishop um, as part because the show theme was Greek food. And um, I had a beard and moustache on and got mistaken for a man about 58 times. Uh-huh. Excuse me, sir, could you move over? <laughs> and um, I was stressing them out a lot because I was I, what I was doing was so sacrilegious. and <laughs> Really? Being, because also what I was doing on the show was, um, you know, it's sort of the, uh, the, the type of stuff that you just really look to do. Um, go on and um, Harry Hill hits me over the head with a plate of Frere Rochers and then puts a kebab on my head mm-hmm. and then I'm wearing a kebab for the rest of the episode. OK. Was it and fun you can't to see do? my face. Oh, so much fun. Harry Hill. Wow, that's cool. You worked with Harry Hill. Oh, God. Yeah, sorry. Didn't, I, didn't you know it was a big deal? Did you? Did you know I was a BD? <laughs> well, I did, of course. When did you meet him first? Kind of how I met you. So doing gigs at the Invisible Dot, like right. um, he. So the Invisible Dot is a, a little club comedy club in King's Cross in London. Yes, me and um, my double act partner Ellie White. He saw us and liked us, and then we've done like a bunch of live shows with him since then. Kind of like, you know, you. I did your show and then we did the stuff in Manchester. Mm. 
yeah, and then I guess they were like, right, this is a Greek episode. We need someone to come on and have a kebab put on their head. Natasha Dimitriou. And I'll do it. Good one. And I'll do it. <laughs> I will do it. But also, I didn't realise it was the last record of the series and they'd done like eight shows. And so when they were like, we're going to go for drinks afterwards, I was like, oh, OK then. And then realised I was so deep in a rap party of a show that I'd been on for five minutes, having some really, like, emotional conversations with people that had, like, put their heart and their soul into this show for the past, like, eight, nine weeks, and there's me there being like, I know, it's just been today. It's been absolutely... <laughs> so which channel is that for? Sky, Sky One, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good idea, Harry Hill doing sort of afternoon, like, like, like Mel and Sue's, like, lunch. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a fun format to mm. take the mick out of, isn't it? And Paul Hollywood was on it. And let me tell you, I was not interested in that man in any way. You know, I was like, I like Great British Bake Off. He's a good presenter. I'm sure he can break a lovely loaf. That's it. Those eyes. Did you fall in love with him? He's beautiful. Is he? He's a, I mean, honestly, like, he's a beautiful specimen of a human being. Magic. (laughs) Wow. Does he smell nice too? I couldn't really smell through the kebab mask. Do you? I mean, we've talked about your the way your dad smelt. Do you like it when people smell very nice? I, that's so interesting you say that. I think I am like, I think I have a smell fetish. Uh-huh. I think from growing up in a house where everything smells of poo and garlic, yeah. I am obsessed with nice smells. Mm. And I would say my biggest weakness financially is perfumes. Oh, what perfume do you like? Oh, my God, here we go. Le Labo, Santal 33. For those perfume lovers out there, you know what I'm talking about, girls and boys. That scent, man, oh, man. <laughs> I like the way you said it. That could be the new advert. Le Labo. <laughs> What's it? What was it called? Le Labo is the make. Santal 33 is the scent. Le Labo, Santal 33. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you said it. Le Labo. Um, Narcissa Rodriguez for her, J'adore by Christian Dior, uh-huh. um, Gucci Envy Me. It's fresh, it's fruity. So you've got loads of different smells. Yeah, no, people are like, what? Like You don't have a signature fr- smell. I did have a dream of having a signature smell and then I realised my nose is a little rat and wants it all. To the point that once my friend was like, oh my God, I met this girl tonight and she smelled so good. And I was like... What was the perfume called? And within seconds, I was on the Boots website and I'd ordered it and I hadn't even smelt it. It arrived. I hated it. (laughs) I think it's the same as with people who are obsessed with shoes or something where something happens in your brain where you're like, no, this will change my life. Yeah. No, this... Like, it genuinely... When I smelt that Santal 33 smell, I was like, well, it's it's like £100 a bottle. I mean, I've only ever bought one bottle and I've still got it, the same bottle. But, I mean, that's a ridiculous amount to spend on some liquid. But I was like, no... No, this will be it. This is the thing. So you save that for super special occasions. I was saving it for super... Oh, Molecule, the scent that um, you can't smell on you, but others can. Is that real? <laughs> That's what they tell you at Liberties. And I bought it. Diptyque. Oh, my God, Diptyque. Philosophicis, whatever it's called. I thought Diptyque were candles. They do perfumes, boy. Oh, you're going to get some perfumes from them. Hmm. Oud. Just oud in anything. Apparently, the price of oud has really gone up. Oud is sounds like a sort of what is it Authentic uh, Arabic. It's an. I think it's thing. like a Moroccan something. Oh well, no. An oud is a musical instrument, isn't it? I mean, it may well be, but it's also something that they're chopping up and putting in perfume. Okay. 
Wow, you love perfume. I love perfume. I love... And the amount of hogs I've got with because they smell nice. (laughs) (laughs) And what's going to seal the deal man-wise then? Izzy Miyake for men, that got me into a lot of hog trouble back at university. (laughs) A lot of pigs. A lot of pigs in my room because of that. (laughs) My brother's smell makes my, I mean, I, I do sort of fancy my brother because he's so brilliant and lovely and he smells, wears Paco Rabanne Million, which is a very common one. My dad's favourite smell is um, rose. <laughs> <laughs> and so every year for Christmas he gets a bottle of Marks and Spencer's, very, very much for women, rose perfume. Uh-huh. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> makes me feel like a special prince. <laughs> and what about deodorant? Deodorant. I stress about deodorant because of all the aluminium, Adam. What's that? There's aluminium in deodorant, isn't there? Oh, I don't know. I haven't got that memo. Metal. Well, you know, like, so basically you sweat, your, your glands underneath your armpit, they absorb everything as much as they excrete everything. They're yeah. just big old suckers. Uh-huh. And I do worry about putting so many Clogging chemicals them up. up them. But then I went for a while trying out all the sort of aluminium-free, like my mum just has a rock, like a weird rock that she puts tap water on and like dabs, but she stinks. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So it's an actual stone. I thought it was the name of the product. No, it's like a weird rock that she's like... Because there's rock cosmetics, aren't there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not that. Like my mum is like a very (laughs) holistic fool. Um, she loves it all. She loves kombucha. She loves potato water. Yeah. You know, if it's... So if she it, uses a stone, but she smells. Yeah, she smells. And I and for a while I was doing it, I was doing all the aluminium-free Mr Tom's. And, you know, I didn't feel unclogged and I stank. Mm-hmm. So back to the usual. And also smells very important to me. Yeah, like yeah. if I had, I used to, when, you know, when you'd be like, if you had three wishes, what would one of them be? And one of mine was always um, my sweat to smell like fructis shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> fructis. Is fructis still available? I don't know, but at the time it was blowing my mind at how fruity it was. What was the one when we were young? Timothy. Timothy. Yeah. Exactly. Timothy. I mean, I'm a real creature of habit. I am very gradually transitioning from one fragrance to another, you know. It's mainly on the CK line. (laughs) And maybe they'll introduce a new form of CK and it's a little bit like Macs, Mac computers for me as well, you know. I'll buy whatever new version of that comes out like a kind of moron without (laughs) investigating what the alternatives are. And it's the same with the old CK. And Timothy for ages, that was my go-to... That was your girl. ...shampoo. I can still... I just couldn't Wasn't believe... that a ridiculously sexy advert as well where she, like, like a coconut came all over her head? Right. I, was, I just remember <laughs> being like, whoa, that's sexy. Yeah. I want to be that woman. But the woman. smell was amazing. Yeah. I mean... It... I think you can still get it in particular, like, Turkish supermarkets. It was so fragrant, though, wasn't it? It was almost like you didn't need to wear any other fragrance because the smell coming from your hair... I mean, I trained as a makeup artist so i'm very big on products i like it it's perfume is the worst but i mean closely followed by like creams yeah and also i made friends with um claudia doherty like through doing comedy a few years back and she's feeding my habit seriously she knows her way around 
cosmetics and Cosme- a, 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 like a, a beauty vlog. But is she someone who's into so-called ethical cosmetics and uh, organic stuff, or is she not fussed that much? I just. I mean, I'm not suggesting that we she's should a bad be. person if she. No, isn't. I mean, the thing is, that's like I'm. I've been vegetarian pretty much my whole life. I'm big on global warming. Very big on it. Love it. Love it. Absolutely love it. Let's have more but of that. yeah, I. I. It is terrible that if someone tells me that a cream is going to get rid of black circles under my eyes. I very rarely check. God, that's terrible. Oh, God. Oh, you're bad. You're going to go there. I know, but I'm just thinking of thinking I don't even think. There was a while where I was on the PETA website and I was checking every... Because there's a really good chart on there where you can check what's friendly and what's not. And I guess I spend my money on good quality products, which often are much more ethically made than the more, like, high street stuff. Yeah. Tell yourself that. Go on. I haven't even checked. I mean, I mentioned that and I, it had, didn't even occur to me to check. It's one no. of the many, many things that I'm just blindly stumbling through in my stupid, Stupid fucking life. pieces of shit my just st- sat here. Yeah. <laughs> Crapping on stupid about f- wheeze and bums when the UK's just, just voted fucking... itself out of the oh. fucking European Union. But then I just think, what else are you going to do? It's so sad and so worrying in so many ways. I mean, I just don't feel like educated or not educated. No, I had a good education. I had a fine education. What am I talking about? Um, but I, I, I feel so like on like inadequate to like. It, I just don't know what to say. I feel terrible, and I, you know, I obviously voted and all that stuff. I voted to remain, and but people in my family voted to leave, and they have good reasons and they have bad reasons, and I just feel the only thing to do is just to try and find a positive outcome, find something in this, like, the fact that it's got people so alive and awake with feelings about it, channel them into, like, a force for something positive or, I don't know, rather than just farting your way all over Facebook. Or talking about farts on a podcast. Yeah. We're into the quick-fire questions section. Oh, amazing. This is a new segment that I'm oh, trying Oh, brilliant. Out. Okay. I call it quick-fire questions, but I think I invented that phrase, by the way. <laughs> the quick is also spelt with a K. Like quick fit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't come up with that. Sorry. Well, it's spelt... No, it's not like quick fit because that's just K-W-I-K. This is K-W-I-C-Q-U-E. Quique. Anyway, some of these you can just answer quickly if you're able to. Yeah, definitely. Others might send us off on stupid tangents. With quickfire questions, it's all cool. All right, what's the most irrational thing you do on a regular basis? Probably use social media because it is it's a madhouse going on, like looking to see if someone's clicked like on a photo. What's that on Facebook? Instagram, baby. Instagram. Facebook's you... old, man. Yeah. What about Twitter? Twitter's dying, sorry. Is it? No, it's not. Well, actually, I met someone who works for Facebook and he said the phrase, Twitter's dead. Do you get in less fights on Instagram? 
For me, the whole world of Twitter is bound up with getting in little Fight. yeah, fights. Yeah. No, and Instagram is just images, isn't it? It's, it's literally just photos. Right. I love an image. I love a weird image. I love to Google, like, sausage bouquet and see what comes up. And you're going to find a woman with a bouquet of sausages. Or I like to Google, like, small brown trousers. And you're going to find some small brown trousers somewhere. And so you post the image or you link to the image... And then the reward You just post is... the image. And the, the reward is some sweet little... A sweet little heart with a number next to it. And that number is how <laughs> successful you are in and this And do people world. leave comments as well? You can leave a comment. I don't know. I guess it's less embarrassing than um, with Twitter. I mean, I can be worrying about a tweet for about 45 minutes. Mm. And that's a lot of your day. Oh, mate. That, I mean, that's... <laughs> I'm trying to say mate less. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, take that back. Oh, gosh. Friend. Oh, golly. That's uh, 45 minutes doesn't seem too long. I've wasted whole days worrying about that kind of crap. Yeah. Your name is Tash Dimitriou. Does anyone call you Ms. Tash? Oh, yeah. I've had Tash for a long time at school. Um, this guy called me Gash. And I thought That's it was... not cool. I thought it was affectionate. And I was like, hee hee, I've got a nickname. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't know what it meant. Very innocent, sweet girl I am. Tash, rash, pash, ganache, sash, flash, flasher, flash gordon, grash, gruler, nasher. Gruler? Gruler, that's me and my oldest friends, Gina and Rachel. We have nicknames for each other and it went from tash, pash, growler, then nasher, and then somehow gruler, and that's what stuck. Gruler, gruler loddy. What's the loddy bit? I don't know, just noises, affectionate, affectionate yeah. noises. Gruler, uh, gruler's stuck. Gruler, ruler, growler, howler. That's nice. Big, big, fat, annoying bitch. <laughs> Stupid cow. <laughs> Thick, idiot. That's just your um, parents, what they call you. Yeah. What always lifts your spirits? My, this is going to be a sincere one, I guess... My dogs are the stupidest, most foolish, stupid idiots in the world, but how can they exist? Because they're so stupid. What kind of dogs are they? Um, they're Beauchamp Freysize, and they are Teddy and Pig, and they have... Pig's attitude stinks, but I, I respect her so much. And Teddy is such an idiot, and Pig loves to have sex with my leg. And Teddy loves to be held like a baby. Oh God, I love them so much. <laughs> um, they bring me, they bring babies. me such dream. They and my friends and my family and just people, nice people. I feel very lucky all the time to know so many nice people. Uh huh. That's very nice. That's a nice answer. When you go through passport control at the airport, <laughs> do you think that they should check your privilege as well? Oh, for God's sake, yes. What's the last film you really enjoyed? Oh, oh, this is a good one, because I enjoyed... The, oh, X-Men, Apocalypse Now. <laughs> X-Men, Apocalypse <laughs> Now. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Oscar Isaac's head in that, I can't believe it's not gone more viral. It is the stupidest-looking thing I've ever seen. Oh. He looks like a big blue lung. Right. <laughs> and he's so evil and it just doesn't work. But yeah. it's I love It's mad that they had an actor that talented underneath all that. That makeup. Mate, it was it was ridiculous. I will support 
the X-Men franchise to the day I die. Sure. Because I think I'm not like a big, you know, sort of sci-fi fan or whatever, but I think it appeals to the thing in my brain, the same thing as the soaps, like collect them all, like Captain Planet. There was the yellow one who controlled fire. There was the, you know, like I like, I think I like that sort of thing in my head. And I like how, you know, in X-Men, it's like you've got the red, the red woman who's like so powerful. Yeah. And then you've got, you know, like Silver Woman controlling the thunders. <laughs> Were you one of the writers? Yeah, I mean, I don't like people to know. I think it's time to bring in the red man <laughs> to control the thunders. Yeah, no. Have we got I... an ice lady? We should have an ice lady and she freezes everyone. Purple's disco. There's a purple one who just controls the funk. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I really like X-Men. I went to see it a while ago and was like, ha! And then obviously Wolverine. Is that happy noise? Yeah. Ha! <laughs> We were talking about a night we went to the recently. Me and my friends went to this really weird night when we went on like a little weekend trip to Ramsgate, and there was an it was a really weird garage night that we like stumbled across, and there was an MC on it called MC Rice, and all he did over the track was like mana 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 eat the apple, beat the bear, seat to the cat, rice, <laughs> D to the cat, eat to the dog, F to the apple, yeah, rice. <laughs> <laughs> That is all he did, and we were there for about three hours, and that was his only contribution. <laughs> <laughs> and he had a huge... He was quite overweight and had a T-shirt that just said rice on the back. <laughs> rice! This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code BUXTON to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. There we go, Tash Dimitriou. Thank you very much indeed to her for coming on the podcast. Uh, now, what else? Business, business. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Oh, it's very flappy in the trees over there. There's a lot of partridges around. Norwich, of course, is associated with the partridge, albeit the Allen partridge. But um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, just sort of little bits of business, nothing much really. A few of you heard me talking about Joni Mitchell and Hegira and Jaco Pastorius and that kind of thing. And uh, let me know that you had also tracked some of those things down and enjoyed them. That's very gratifying. Um, as Bill Hader said on this podcast, 
That is one of life's great pleasures, I think, is giving and receiving recommendations for those kinds of things and exploring, isn't it? What can I recommend to you this week? It's all pretty mainstream for me this week. Actually, I've been listening to the Michael Kiwanuka album, Love and Hate, a former number one album, as far as I'm aware. And now this is going to sound very reductive, but I I would characterise it as sort of later with Jules music, i.e. music that's almost a bit too good. You know what I mean? Like the pedigree is too good, too polished, too slick, too tuneful, too steeped in um, heritage, uh, fine rock and soul heritage. Like a lot of it sounds like... Well, it reminded me of Curtis Mayfield in parts and Pink Floyd, you know, stuff that I love. But sometimes with that kind of music, you almost feel as if there's not enough room for you there because it's too perfect, almost too classic, you know. And uh, I'm drawn to music that's a little bit more wonky often and has bits missing (laughs) in one way or another so that they feel more personal to me somehow Um, anyway all this is building up to the fact that actually the album's so good the Michael Kiwanuka album that it barely matters we played a video of his at Bug for a track called Black Man in a White World directed by this fellow Hiro Murai who's a very talented LA director and then I bought the album on the strength of that that's really good What else? What else? Jingles. There's a couple of new jingles in this week's show, you will have noticed. And one of them features some music that actually I didn't compose, that uh, I stole. So I hope I don't get sued. I stole it from... I recorded it on my phone. It was from an arcade grabber, like, you know, one of the grabbing machines. And it was in a mall in Humboldt County, Northern California, when we were out this summer, me and my family visiting Northern California. We stopped off in Humboldt, went to this quite depressing mall, um, and I was wandering around there with jet lag early one morning before all the shops had opened. I needed to go and buy a pair of shoes. And this uh, music was playing, echoing down the empty corridors in this mall. It was like a scene from one of the living dead movies but the music was making me smile so I I recorded a bit and then stuck my usual selection of stupid beats on top of it but then this fellow got in touch with me via my SoundCloud page Dan Hawkins and he said oh I like the podcast if you ever want any bass playing for any reason then let me know I'm an online bass player so he has this website where people get in touch and they send him a track and say he sticks some bass on that and he sends it back with some bass on you know you can tell him what kind of style you're after anyway I sent him the uh, Humboldt grabber jingle and he sent it back within a few hours with this bass on it which is really good and he didn't do it on the condition that I give him a shout out at all or anything he didn't ask for anything he just was doing it in the spirit of of uh, interaction so thanks Dan I'll put a link to his website on my blog
Here's the blog address. I've got a blog, I've got a blog. Rudy, Rudy, Schmoody, Rudy, blog, blog, blog. I've got a blog. Here's the address, here's the address. It's adam-buxton.co.uk. So check it out. There you go. I think that's more or less it for this rambly outro. Thank you so much to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for his production support and to Matt Lamont for additional editing. Can't exactly guarantee when the next podcast will be with you, but it should be sometime within the next couple of weeks. I've got a few more exciting guests before I take a break at Christmas time and uh, regroup for 2017. Rosie! Rosie! The gloaming is turning to the darkening, and when the darkening comes, it is not wise for whippet poodle cross dogs to be out bouncing. No, no, the wise pipette will return to the warmth of the house for a scritch scratch in front of the fire. Rosie! Ah, here she comes. All right. Hey, listeners, thanks very much for joining me. And until the next time we share the same sound space, take extra good care. I love you. Bye. Like and subscribe.